So actually, I've got, um, I've got a kind of a bit of a direct word today. Um, can, can we, I know you don't know me, but Aaron knows me. So um, just we're brothers and sisters together, right? Um, so it is going to be a little bit challenging, but can you take it up with the author and not me? Um, so I've actually put Matthew 25 there. I'm not going to go there straight away. Um, I'm just going to actually start in Galatians. And if you've got Bibles, I don't know if I don't know if anybody actually sort of carries Bibles anymore or just on our phone. I'm I'm up for both of that. Um, but I do like the physical Bible still. You know, I just love carrying it. You know, and uh, having it in front of me. Um, there's Galatians chapter one, and I'm just going to read something. It's quite striking. Again, hopefully I'm in line with the way. The Holy Spirit spoke to Paul as he wrote this letter. Um, so I like to say that when you preach, you let the tone of the passage create your tone. Because it's not all the same, is it? Sometimes it's, it's like Psalm 23, it's pastoral, it's quiet, it's reflective. Other times it's a bit crazy, like Revelation. You've got kind of like apocalyptic stuff and it's figurative language. This is pretty direct, hence the reason why I'm going to be a little bit direct, and it picks up from something that Aaron was saying earlier. So Galatians 1 verse 6, I am astonished, there it is, it's really strong words, very rare for Paul to start this way, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you who want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. That's pretty strong, isn't it? That's strong. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. So he says it twice. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Last verse. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. Not man's gospel. So there's a story of a, a child who's painting a picture in um, a primary school and she's got free painting time. The teacher said, you can paint whatever you like, it's free time. So the child starts painting away on this canvas and then after a while, it seems like a bit of a mess, the, the teacher comes over and says, what, what, what are you painting? And the child says, God. And the teacher says, oh, you, you can't paint God, nobody knows what God looks like. And the child says, they will when I've finished. <laughs> Out of the mouths of babes, isn't it? My question to Riverside, but it isn't just to Riverside, it's actually um, across the UK, is when the church looks at, when the world looks at the church, do they see God? When the world, society, looks at us, do they see God? Do they see the priorities of God? 
or the priorities of man. The Bible says the priorities of God are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind and your neighbour as yourself. Listen to that chronological order. It says love God first and love God the most. But we need more than God. That sounds like a heresy, doesn't it? We need more than God. We do though. We need each other. And God has set it up that way. You see, we are called to love God first and with all our heart, soul, strength and mind. But then second, our neighbour. Interestingly, third, ourselves. And it's important we love ourselves. But the order is, as you love someone else, you will see you the way you're meant to be. That's the chronological order of the economy of God's words. Psychology will say love yourself first and get yourself right and then go and serve. That's not God's way. He says just go and love. Love me first, get on your knees, get filled with the spirit, get born again. But then go and love somebody else as you do, you'll see you. That, that is God's calling to us today, is to get back to his priorities. And what are his priorities? And that's why in Galatians, nothing new under the sun. In, in Galatians, he's saying you're going to a man's gospel, but there is no man's gospel. It actually talks in 2 Corinthians 11.4 about another Jesus or other Jesuses. It's nothing new under the sun. We are living in days, maybe not in Kenya so much, but definitely in the UK, where there is a distorted gospel. And we have to stand careful in the truth of the word of God. That's why it says in Jude 3, contend for the faith. So I'm saying to you today, contend for the faith. You are a great church. I know that. I know your history. I know you love God. I know you are filled with the Spirit. I know you've got history. I'm saying to you, contend for the faith. Know your onions, as they say up north. Know what you're talking about. Know your gospel, because there are different gospels. There are four fake gospels at the moment, in my view, in this country. Four distorted gospels. There's liberalism that says that anything goes theologically and there are many routes to God. By the way, there are. There are many ways to God, but there's only one to salvation. There are many ways to God, but there's only one to salvation, Jesus Christ and the cross. Liberalism is a fake and distorted gospel. Then we have licentiousness or licensed gospel, which says that you get saved, you can do whatever you want. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says when you are saved, you are given the obedience or the power to obey. You, the freedom to obey. You see, before you were a Christian, you didn't have the capacity to obey God. Now you do. That's the miracle. Not that you can go and live any way you want and live it large. And By no means, Romans 6 says. By no means. You haven't got it. You haven't understood it. If you think oh, your, your grace means you can live free to sin, that's not the Bible teaching. It's free to obey. That's very different. I told you it was going to be a bit... Stop me at any time. By the way, I'm all right with that. If anyone's here saying, Andy, I don't agree with that, you do it. It doesn't bother me at all because this is not my message. This is, I think we can defend it from the Bible. 
Happy, I'm happy for hecklers. <laughs> I am. Third fake gospel, the law. Legalism. Just follow the rules. If you just follow the rules, you'll get to heaven. Just follow the Ten Commandments. By the way, we're still the great wisdom in the Ten Commandments. But following the rules will not get you to heaven. We'll have a look at that just very, very quickly in a moment. And the third one is a really odd one. If you're interested, it's in uh, Galatians chapter 3, which is a hybrid fake gospel. So I'm just going to show you this, by the way. I just think, I think I should. This is uh, Galatians 3, verse 5. No, sorry, verse, uh, verse 3. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? That's a fake gospel. So you get saved by grace through faith alone. Do we believe that here? Saved by grace through faith alone. But now you're going to work it all out in your own strength. That's a fake gospel. Four fake gospels. My question is very, very quickly. What is the true gospel? And I'm just going to scoot through these. Um, the true gospel is um, a splagnitzomai gospel. It's compassion. Can we say that together? Splagnitzomai. Right? That means being moved in the spirit. Being moved in the bowels, actually. That's what it means in the original. Right? Being moved to act. To do something. Now I want you to hold that in your, in your mind as we quickly shoot some, through some of this. See, every single one of us in this room are going to stand before the judgment seat of God and give an account for our life. That's what the Bible says. Okay? So you say, yeah, but I'm saved. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to heaven by the blood of the Lamb. Yeah, but you're still going to have to give an account of your life. For every word you've spoken, every thought you've had in your head is going to be before the Lord. I don't know if it's going to be before everybody I, I don't know that. Theologians disagree. I'm going to say I don't know. But it's definitely going to be before God. So a little bit of a pit stop. I touched in it earlier on. What is the gospel? We are saved by grace through faith. And it's not of your own doing lest you should boast. Are we happy with that? So what that means is that when you come to the... You see Jesus died on the cross. And he rose again three days later. And you say, I believe in that death and resurrection of Jesus all of my sin is on him and if someone says to me like why should you go to heaven I'm going to say I shouldn't but I am going to heaven because I believe that he has taken my sin but it's even greater than that because not only did Jesus take your sin all of his life counts for you too that's the great exchange that's why it's grace. It's unmerited, undeserved. When I, when I knelt down in 1993 before the cross, which I did in, in Plymouth, in Mutley Baptist Church in Plymouth, as an arrogant young man and stood up, I stood up clothed in the life of Jesus, filled with the presence of God. So I didn't just have my record clean and it was a dirty record, let me tell you. I got it replaced with the entirety of Jesus' life counting for me. Yeah, that is worthy of a clap. So, and I'm not boasting, in, do you see? What's that got to do with me? We're saved by grace through faith alone. But friends, that faith 
cannot and will not ever remain alone. Are we clear on this one? Let's just turn to uh, Ephesians and um, a really, really kind of helpful passage, I think, for us here. Let's pick this one up. Ephesians 2. Well, if we go from verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith and this not of your own doing, this is the gift of God, not a result of works that a man may boast. We've just read that. Now then, what does it say? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. That's the entire message of James in one verse. You see, true faith cannot and will not ever remain alone oh I believe in God hallelujah praise the Lord okay how is your life proving that there's no condemnation here by the way but a truly graced and saved soul splagnitzomize it's moved to act you see God didn't just stay in the heavenlies he came here. He didn't just, he is the word, but he's the word made flesh. And God the Father sent his son and now he sends us. And if you just sit in there saying, I don't want to share the gospel. I don't want to do anything for anyone else. I don't want to love my neighbor because I've got to love myself. Then you're not born again. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13.5, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Doesn't say examine your wife. Doesn't say examine your church member that you don't like with a wagging finger. It says examine yourself. And I'm going to give you some tests right now. Are you up for it or not? <laughs> Are we out the door? You can leave any time you want, by the way. Jesus said that, didn't he? He said, this is, some of his followers said, this is, this is getting too tough. He said, okay, bye. I know he didn't exactly say that. He said, well, what do you reckon, Peter? What did Peter say? Come on. Yeah, we're nearly there at Kenya, aren't we? You have the words of eternal life. Where, where can I go? He said, I'm, I'm sticking around. Right? If it's too much for you, I understand. But if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, it'll energize you. It'll do two things to you, this message. You either go out there and go, I did not like him. And I didn't like that message. Okay. Or you might go out and say, yeah, there's truth there. And I'm entering in. I'm pressing in. I'm leaning into that. It'll do two things. People hated Jesus or loved him. It wasn't offense. That's what happens with gospel preaching. That's why when you're at work and you get abused for being a Christian, it's not a bad thing. Because you're following in the footsteps of the master. So let's just have a look at these tests. Ooh, here we go. I'm going to just check, is our passport genuine? I think it was 1952, someone set up on the right hand side there, the, the world passport. He said, I'm sick of having passport to get into every country. You know, I, like, I can't get a passport, you couldn't get out. So he said, I'm going to set up my own thing, the world passport. Guess how many countries he got into? None. Because it was fake. Okay, have we got a world passport? Or have we got a real one that's stamped? Examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Now I'm not going to go through these, you'll be pleased to know. But I can send them to Aaron and you can do a Bible study and check it if you want. 
But did you know, according to the Bible, there are six things on the screen there that you could do or be involved in and not be saved. They're quite shocking, aren't they? Do you not think? You could have visible morality, intellectual knowledge. You could be involved in a religious church situation. You could even be involved in the active ministries of the gifts of the Spirit, Matthew 7.21. Didn't I prophesy in your name? So I never knew you. What about Balaam? I mean, that's nuts, isn't it? Isn't that nuts? He was a sorcerer and a prophet. Get your head around that one. I haven't. I've never got my head around that one. Balaam. It's not a sign you're saved. According to the Bible, you could have a conviction of sin. Felix, he was convicted. He actually said, you know, there was a problem. He was, but was he saved? Did he repent? Did he do a metanoia? Repentance means I'm going my way. No, I'm not anymore. I'm going God's way. Did he have a change of heart and mind and behaviour? No, wasn't saved. But there was a conviction of sin. What about the Pharisees? They thought they were all right. They had assurance. You can have assurance. You say, I know I'm a Christian. And I was full-time pastor for a while. And people would say, do you think I'm a Christian? And I'd say, I have no idea. But you could follow the Bible and have a look at your own tests. And then other people would say, I know I'm a Christian. And I'd say, great. How do you know? Have you tested yourself against the Bible? No, I just know. Well, the Pharisees did that and they weren't saved. So here we go. These are the tests the Bible says show that you're a Christian. This is the gospel. This is the true gospel. This is not a fake gospel. It says this, you have a love for God. By the way, not all of these up here all the time. We might have ups and downs, but generally speaking, a love for God. There is a repentance from sin, which is ongoing. There is genuine humility. That's not saying that you are nothing. That's saying actually you're a child of the king, but that your glory comes from God and your calling comes from God. It's much higher than saying I'm nothing. Just saying, it's another issue, another preach. <laughs> Devotion to God's glory. Are you devoted to his glory above your own reputation? That's a sign of a Christian right there. Ongoing desire to pray. Christians pray. If you don't pray, you're not a Christian. So I have a private faith. I say, I understand that. And we can have that. But as long as there's still prayer there. It's got to be prayer. Otherwise, you're not a Christian. Increasing separation from worldly ways. That means over time, you're walking away from sin. Okay, even though there's some ups and downs and bit back and forward, get all of that. And here's the last lot, spiritual growth, that you're growing, there's a formation in you, there's obedience in your living. Here we go, Aaron said, hunger for God's word, transformation of life, inner witness of the Holy Spirit. And look at that last one, increasing selfless love for Christians, especially the least of them, the poor. So, at this point, I'm glad I'm saved by grace through faith alone, right? There is a relief in my mind. Do you understand that? You see where I'm coming from here? I'm relieved because Jesus did all of that. Do you know what I said? His life counts for me. So I'm not walking away going, oh no, it's more for me to do. Oh no. Oh no, I've got a, I've got a witness. I've got a, I've got to get out there and get into the word. Oh no, heavy burden, burden, but I don't feel like that. I think, praise God, Jesus did all of that for me. 
Yes, I'm with you, brother. Oh, absolutely. Jesus did that. Come on. Look at that. All of this is kept in Christ and counts for you. What about the relief of that? But you see, for the truly saved person, when you've now picked yourself up from praising God, thank you, Jesus, I'm good, I'm good. I want that. because Do you know why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in me. The Spirit of Jesus, who kept that, lives in me and you. So I now want that. I'm not beating myself up, try harder. I'm actually thinking, yeah, it's already, I've passed it. I've got an A on the test. That's amazing. But now I want to do what you do. That's a sign of a Christian. Does that make sense? Does it make sense? And I want to pick up on this last one. Oh, I'm conscious of time. I'm just going to, last bit I'm going to bring here. Matthew 25. I haven't got time to go through it today. I encourage you to read it. Somebody once read Matthew 25 when I, before I preached on it elsewhere. And they said the parable. So can we just turn to it? If, you, if you've got your Bibles there. I, I just want to draw this one out. Matthew 25, verse 31. Now, earlier on in Matthew 25, you've got the parable of the ten virgins, the parable of the talents. Parable means story. It's preparation for the big moment in verse 31. And when I once, somebody uh, went to a church and he, he said, the parable of the final judgment. And I hate correcting people in church. You never want to put people, you know what I mean? You don't want to correct. But I had to. Because this is not a parable. This is fact. If you want to know what's going to happen when you die, and by the way, you are going to die. 100% of people who live die. The question is, are you going to rise in Christ? Or are you going to go to hell? We don't talk about that a great deal now, but it's here. In verse 31, there's a final judgment. And I just want to show you something from this. I'm not going to read it. But Jesus tells us exactly what's going to happen when you're going to stand before God. And by the way, Richard Dawkins and the atheists and the Muslims and non-believers and everybody's going to stand before God. And there ain't going to be a lot of debate about it then. And they're going to stand before God and he's going to say these words. Verse 35, for I was hungry and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, verse 37, Lord, when, 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 when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. The one measure Jesus Christ will use to test if your gospel is genuine is there. Nothing else. Not, nothing from that list, all of which are critical, but the one measure. What did you do for the least, the last and the lost? What did you do? How much splagnitzomai did you give out? 
How much compassion did you have? Because that will be the measure of if you're born again or not. Do you understand where I'm coming from? You say, Andy, you're saying it's not about the cross. Of course it's about the cross. It's about believing in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's my passport. But it has to be stamped to be shown to be real. And it's stamped and proved to be real by what I do with my life. And what you do with your life. And the one measure is going to be what you did for the least of these, my brothers. And you guys who sponsor children around the world, that's right there. And you're going to say, I never did that. And Jesus is going to say, oh, you did. Oh, you definitely did. Because somebody in this world in the UK, I think it was in the UK, sponsored a child in Ethiopia who became the first female pilot. Can you imagine coming from the, the street to being the first female pilot in Ethiopia because of the gospel? Because the gospel changes lives. And we heard the story of the social worker earlier on. And you've got a chance today, Galatians 6.10 says, as you have opportunity, do good to everyone, especially those of the household of faith. Why? Why does he say that? Because as we love each other, the world will say, look how they love each other. It's evangelistic. Do you see that? And as we reach out to the ends of the earth and we love the church and these children that are connected to churches, in Jesus' name, the world will go, wow, look how they love each other. Evangelism is at the heart of mission and discipleship. Does that make sense? Making sense? You've got a chance today. There's a few kids you could sponsor. No condemnation. No pressure. Please don't do it if you don't want to. Don't. Just be blessed. Go home. Do whatever God tells you to do. There's no pressure to sponsor a child. You're not going to earn your way into the kingdom of God. That's already set by your belief in the death and resurrection of Christ. It's how you're going to respond to the gospel with your next door neighbour who needs help. And everyone is not interested anymore because they're too busy. But you notice and that person at work is marginalised and you've got time for them and you get laughed at because you do go out for a coffee with them and everyone else doesn't like them. The last, the least and the lost. That's the measure of true gospel Christianity according to Matthew 25. I told you it'd be straight. It's your shout what you do with that now. It's your call. No condemnation for those who are in Christ. But there may be some people here today who are not. I've shown you clearly what it means to be a Christian today. And you're very welcome to speak to Aaron or Chris, myself at the end. And come to the front and just say, I need to get right with God. Because I know I'm not. Then you can do that today, 100% today. It's, you don't, it has, doesn't have to be a big thing. You just literally say, Lord, I give you my life. I want to live for the things of eternity. I want to live for the things of God, for Jesus Christ. I believe he saved me even now in this room today. You can come and talk to us about that now. Or it might be that you've just got a bit selfish in your Christianity. Remember, there's no condom. Do you hear my heart? 
I'm not condemning you. I'm not wagging a finger saying try hard. I'm saying there's more. And we've got to go out there as the Christian community and love hard with compassion. Maybe that's you. And you just say, I just, I need a refreshment here because I'm, I'm going in. I'm going in again. And by the way, love makes you vulnerable to misunderstanding. And you will be misunderstood and you will be abused, but you're in the steps of the master. Father, we pray. We pray that we would raise up even in this room today, as men and women who are filled with your spirit and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would never walk in a fake or distorted gospel. Lord, we don't want man's gospel. We want your gospel, the true Bible gospel. We pray you would fill us in this room now with joy and relief that that list that I read through is kept in Christ. We are free. Hallelujah. But Lord, we want to, we want to live above the level of the average Christian. Toza said. Lord, we want to be active disruptors of hopelessness. In this world, oh God, come Holy Spirit, fill us to the measure of the fullness of God that we would flow out like a river into Exeter, into our workplaces and with our families. Lord, that we would make a difference in this world because we'll be God chasers. We worship you, Jesus, and we praise you now. But Lord, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would raise up our heads, be the lifter of our head, a shield about us and our glory, that we may walk out into this world filled with the love of God and the wisdom of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we wanna be warriors in Christ and make a difference, agents of change in our communities. We wanna live transformational lives, oh God. More, Lord, we want more. Stir us up with the fire of your spirit, we pray. In the name of Jesus, God bless you.